Strachan and Bell together. There's Cooper breaking through. A chance now. This will be the fourth ball for Aberdeen. Cooper puts it in with when things are going wrong against you you don't get the breaks of the ball Cooper in with Stewart he didn't really know where the ball was but he got the break and as you say it's a schoolboy's dream being able to take the time knowing that really all you got to do is crack it into the back of the net Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Here We Go podcast. Once again, we have another packed show for you tonight, so we're going to get straight into it. Firstly, I'll introduce the guest tonight. As always, don't have any time to be wide to him tonight. I'll just say hello to Richard. Hey, how are you doing, Richard? Evening, Martin. And we, we have not one, but two fantastic guests, two of the top journalists in the country. God knows what we're doing having them on this podcast to preview a Hearts game. But firstly, we have Ben Palmer. Hello, Ben. How are you doing? Oh, thank you. You flattered me. <laughs> and we'd like to welcome back as well the fantastic JJ Bull. How are you, JJ? I'm very good. I'm just fantastic. How are you guys? We're all doing well, thanks. After Sunday watching Aberdeen versus Hearts, it might be different, but you know, we'll we'll try and remain positive while we can. <laughs> I'm going to mangle the pronunciation of this because that's what we're going to do. I didn't take Al Watts' advice last week. So, Richard, we were away to Chikura, um, a one-one draw um, over in Georgia. Not the worst result I think we had. No, the manager did say before the game that he no, a one-one draw isn't isn't a terrible result. We saw a couple of guys make their debuts for Aberdeen. Obviously, Funja Ojo and Craig Bryson. A few grumbles about Dean Campbell missing out, but I don't think there's any complaints you can make about that. You know, I think Campbell's time will come in the season. What were your opinions on the on the two debut, debutants we saw? Well, they came at it from different angles, didn't they? I mean, Ojo was obviously earmarked uh, very early on for a start. Yes, Campbell misses out. Campbell's role in the squad this season is clearly going to be backup. Your your established midfield three, if they're fit, are going to be Ojo, Bryson and Ferguson. I don't think that's going to change, but Dean at 18 is an important member of the squad. I thought for the first 10-15 minutes, Ojo was very important in um, helping us keep control of the ball, helping us move forward. It was significant that we started out with Gallagher and Ferguson alongside him. And it was just a single pivot in midfield, whereas later on when Bryson came on, and I think this is probably mostly due to fitness and anything else, Bryson was staying a lot deeper. So it became a double pivot. It meant we didn't get up a pitch quite as well. It just restricted us quite significantly, I thought. He made one very rash challenge for Unzo Ojo in a different circumstance, under a different referee, then who knows, that could, have, that could even have been a red card. Then the penalty itself, I think there was contact. It's one of those that's going to get given, particularly in a European game these days. For the manager to come out and say that uh, he can't see any contact is... I mean, I, I appreciate he wants to stand up and defend his player. Of course he does. But, yeah, that that seems a little bit far-fetched. Uh, a bit disappointed he didn't quite get into the game as much as I hoped. Hopefully that will come. I think you know we are going to be quite reliant on him to set the pace of our games to try and avoid us going long every time. And there were signs that he was 
going to do that in the first 15-20 minutes. But as I say, I think the changes around him probably contributed to his game tailing off a little bit as well. I guess, JJ, that's what happens when, when we're bringing in players. Um, some of the players have been injured, so we're not, you're not getting the time in pre-season for these guys to gel. You know, you've seen, we've seen very little of, um, of Greg Lee. Uh, Bryson obviously came on the other day. Ojo's just signed. We're having to use these games that are very competitive games to try and mould the eleven together. Oh, yeah. Um, but then I, I don't think it was that bad. Like, I, I know we should have... I don't think they're that great a team. I think at home, it won't be an absolute pumping, but I think it should be a comfortable 2-0. And I think since when you're away, you've got to be a bit canny. Even teams who aren't great are still difficult to play against at home. It's not a huge crowd or anything like that. But it's still away. The team are learning who each other are, trying to play in a different way. And everything they worked on in training got done after, well, um, the minute after Taylor came off. You, know, you want to play with a four, which is really a three at the back, which allows your wide players to play a different way, which means Cosgrove's got some more support in different ways. And, um, yeah, like you say, everyone's just trying to work out what they're doing. It's not quite there yet, but I think it's it looks OK. I mean, Ben is probably going to be best place to talk about this, having actually been out there. But, I mean, it was quite windy during the game, apparently. I felt that most of the players on the pitch struggled with that and struggled really with the pace of the pitch as well. We've gone obviously from playing on plastic in Finland, which was a very slow surface, to playing on a very fast surface, it seemed, in Tbilisi. Ben, I mean, was it as windy as it seemed or was it just that we can't play football very well? A little bit. I mean, it was just bizarrely sort of frantic. Um, I mean, the wind wasn't as strong as maybe it was made out to be. But it was getting through the little gaps in the concourse, but I don't think that affected the game as much as it maybe made out. Just to pick up on that point with JJ Beard, see, your other Scottish clubs, your other Premiership clubs, they're bedding in these problems, these early season problems, getting players integrated in the Betfred Cup. Now, already you're seeing clubs like Hearts have poor results, St Johnson have poor results, Dundee United, St Mirren. Whereas Aberdeen are having to do, get rid of these problems in arguably more important games on a bigger stage in Europa League against opposition that you don't know about and I mean I mean, it's a lot more tricky to sort of bed these problems in in Europe than it is to do a better for the cup but I mean to get away from Georgia with the tie still alive with an away goal I mean I thought personally that it was a good result to, to come away from there with I agree with that yeah absolutely like it's a, just because you haven't heard of them and don't know how to pronounce any of their names doesn't mean they're not decent players. Although there was a little, there was a little bit of quality on show, and I think what you saw in the second half, especially from Aberdeen, is they absolutely dominated the play. But that's what uh, the Georgia team wanted. They, they wanted Aberdeen to dominate so they could hit the counter. So I think we had to be really careful with the way that we are not committing too many forwards to dominate the pitch because you'll get picked off which means you don't have enough support for Sammy Cosgrove. But then also, if the only method of scoring is hitting crosses to Cosgrove, who still does not know how to header a ball, <laughs> it's not uh, it's not perfect. <laughs> but I don't think it's that bad. I really think, that, like Ben just said, the 1-1 is a really good away result. It's an away goal. Technically, Aberdeen's winning. It, no, it's a, it's a decent result, absolutely. But I, I think we can still have concerns about, yeah, the, the franticness of a display is probably a good word. I, I think if you look at like Europa League games from the last two seasons, um, I don't think Aberdeen were just hoofing it every single time. There were there were periods of play, about five, ten minutes, where they were. But it wasn't just a, 
launch and chase and heads gone. It just seemed that they realised later in the second half how they needed to be able to play and they need to keep the ball on the ground. And there is like a different style of play on show this season, which I've been enjoying already so far. It really didn't help that Ashdale went off as early as he did because you're sitting watching those first 10, 15 minutes and Aberdeen created a couple of chances. You think, yeah, this will be this will be quite comfortable. They're clearly streets ahead of Chikura or however you want to pronounce it. But when Taylor goes off, all of a sudden you've got Shea Logan in the left back, you've got John Gallagher in the right back, you've got Craig, half-fit Craig Bryson making his debut. I mean, it makes it very difficult to build a sort of decent performance on top of that, I think. But the lack of defensive cover was definitely noted beforehand, uh, not having anybody really defensive-minded on the bench, and it, it really bit us very quickly. I guess we are running short of options with Greg Lee out, with Michael Devlin out. You could maybe have had Vertinen on the bench. Um, it seems he's quite reluctant to, to really give him his lead. Uh, made the bench a, a good few times last season, but never looked in danger of getting on the pitch. There was always going to have to be a reorganisation when Taylor went off, but the fact that three different players had to move position because of one injury was tantamount to the lack of depth there. Right at this moment, we maybe have more players than we'll end the window with because you've got guys like Stevie May who are probably on the way out we'll talk about that later guys like Scott Wright Bruce Anderson presumably will go out and loan however maybe the balance isn't quite there in terms of um, a bit top heavy especially given we only really play one out and out striker it's something that I'll have to tweak something you'll have to look at we don't know how long Ash Taylor's going to be out hamstring probably a minimum three to four weeks Devlin's still a week or two away I believe the prognosis on Greg Lee is a little bit more encouraging for Thursday, but it's still a bit of a risk, obviously, to throw him in from the start on Thursday. Well, that we've, we've obviously already we've spoken about that already. I went to I went to touch on that with Ben and JJ. So yeah, JJ, we've got we have what is you know a bit of an injury crisis in defence at the moment. Um, you know, what do you think? Do you think the solution? I mean, you guys will you guys will know better than us. Richard and I don't pretend to be remotely in the know at all. Um, so you, so you guys will probably have have more idea than us. Do you think that McInnes will maybe look at to bring in another centre half, or will he just try and get through get through this difficult spell with what he has? Uh, the market you have to get through is what what you've got. I don't know what would be in the market that you could possibly get. I mean, you've, there's maybe someone like Joe Shaughnessy still out of contract. I think you can maybe get a, a short deal for him. That'd be it's his wages. You don't what you want to spend. And Devlin and Taylor will be playing all the time. If there's two slots and you've effectively got four centre backs, Considine, Devlin, McKenna, uh, and Taylor, you don't want to have anyone else because they're never going to get a game. So, what kind of player wants to move to a team on a short term contract? No, they're not going to play. It's going to ruin their. It's not going to help their career. Maybe an option on loan, but again, short term. How long are they out for? One, two months, three months? You don't know quite yet. So it's hard to convince someone to come. Knowing they're not going to get a game, the worst part is there's no one really coming through that I know of who's a centre back that could play straight away. Um, and what the problem is if I if I keep talking like that, I'm in danger of then naming regens for my little manager save and I, because uh, the the two have started to merge and it's a bit worrying. There's also that thing about centre halves, isn't there? That uh, you're much less likely to throw a guy in who's eighteen, nineteen. You know. Oh yeah. It's it's very unusual for someone like Scott McKenna, and Scott McKenna was older when he made his uh, breakthrough. Obviously, he was twenty one, but it's, it's unusual for someone really to to be that fully formed coming out of the reserves. I mean, clearly McKenna's liked Joe Shaughnessy as well earlier in the window, or else he wouldn't have made an offer to him. 
But I mean, that offer was made months ago. Now, all of a sudden, Shaughnessy's been without a club for the entire summer. He hasn't done a pre-season. He's been on trial at Southend or somewhere like that. So, I mean, he's not going to be up to that sharpness if you were to bring him in a short-term deal. He's, he's not going to be, I, I would think, up to the fitness to do that job in that space of time. No, I think we'll try and probably get through the defence uh, with the yeah. defensive options we have. I, I was just a little bit surprised with the composition of the bench on Thursday, given how, as I say, Mikko Vertonen has been in and around the squad for quite a while now. We still have to brace ourselves for more testing the water bids for perhaps for Scott McKenna. So that's but that's something for another day. Um, we, we speak about this <laughs> we speak about that every week. So then the game. Uh, ben, we found ourselves 1-0 down Richard mentioned the penalty decision earlier on Given away by Fonzo Ojo Who had a mixed debut What was your opinions on Ojo's first appearance for us? Sort of like sort of watching just some of the way he passed the ball And sort of just the positional sense of it thought that he looks like a player But I mean he was almost too eager at times There was a rashness to it But it was just, it was just purely down to that tackle That sort of, not nasty tackle But almost mistimed tackle and the penalty, it was just rushing into things, a little bit of indecision when it came to the final moment. And you have to remember as well, this is a guy who hasn't gone through a full pre-season. He, he's, he's nowhere near the match sharpness of anyone else in the Aladdin squad. So I, I thought he did fine. I thought he did all right. I mean, if Aberdeen had been beat, uh, had lost the game, then of course his penalty, the penalty tackle would be highlighted a bit more and say, oh, dodgy sort of signing. But... No, I mean, he got through it unscathed. Aberdeen got a decent result. So, I mean, all in all, it was a fine 6 out of 10 debut. It wasn't panic stations by any stretch of imagination. I don't think, no, while we hadn't been no, fantastic, they hadn't been blowing us away with kind of free-flowing football either. There was still plenty to be positive about, and it did come in the second half. Yeah, you can see, like, all the way through the game, that, like, Aberdeen was a much better team. It was just that... Um, they were set up to counter-attack They had good chances Because you get those when you counter-attack That's the thing, but they didn't take them I don't think I mean, there was that, that number 10 seemed to be okay I, I, I'm really bad with the names of all of them But um, uh, Lex Tadze, I think his name was um, uh, That's close enough uh, I'll, do, I'll do, yeah I mean, I'm just, who knows uh, But tidy enough Players, technically quite good I think I've, I've, I read or, or, or heard someone say at some point That um, McInnes identified Or someone had said that this team is good technically but they don't play at any sort of tempo which makes sense if you're playing someone that's a bit hot some of the time but I think like you're saying once the penalty went in was it largely against the run of play they had little spells where they had the ball um, Ojo I think you, exactly what Ben's saying is not quite match sharp which will come with time He'll just his head will be a bit quicker for the next game that won't happen again and then they didn't. The good thing that I thought about this performance was that they managed the game well. Didn't panic. Had to be patient because as soon as that goal was in, that was their game plan. Like that was what they planned for. It was in their their powerpoints before the game. So they had to just sit back, deep, wait for Aberdeen to throw balls into the box, hoping that you know, kind of knowing that Sam Cosgrove wasn't going to get headers on the ball or there's no one to win the second ball. I think it was okay. I really think Aberdeen's going to be fine. In the second leg, I think it's quite similar to Roman Yemi in a way, in that Aberdeen fell the goal behind and then sort of stayed calm and sort of just grind out the result. Yeah. When Roman Yemi were at Petodre, Aberdeen were miles ahead of them, and the only reason we didn't kill off a tie was because we couldn't. Well, the only sort of metaphor I can think of this would probably be a bit dirty, but we certainly couldn't finish anyway. But so <laughs> even against 
Chikura out there. We have plenty of the ball. I think back at Petordre, Aberdeen will have plenty of chances. I, think, I, I do genuinely think Aberdeen will be fine in the return leg. That's right. The only way I can see them um, getting the shock would be if they get an early goal and then put in some masterclass of defending and nobody in the Aberdeen team manages to break and win a second ball. I can't see it happening. Exactly the same as the last uh, the last qualifying round. Like, everything Ben said is just exactly... I don't even say anything. Just go, Ben. So in the second half, Richard, as well, um, we, we we finally we finally drew level. No, we were patient, I think. It was a really neat one-two um, from Ryan Hedges with, Co- with Cosgrove. Um, and it's it's a, it's a stonewall penalty every day the, every day of the week as well. And Cosgrove again, you know, I know he's had some criticism about you know, his goals are penalties, and you know, and he, we've been very critical of him for you know for some of the misses. But he put it away. It was a good penalty, um, and it could be it's, it was it could be the difference in the tie. Well, it was pretty much his only chance on Thursday, so I don't think you can really put any criticism his way based on Thursday night's display because the, the, there wasn't really much coming to him in the way of opportunities. It was created, obviously, by Ryan Hedges, who's probably our most impressive attacking player. Uh, and, in fact, during that second half, doing it from left-back as well, um, important to note. It was, uh, obviously, a couple of minutes after half-time, he broke through and nearly led to an own goal. And he does really well to win the penalty kick. And it's a really good spot by the referee, actually, I have to say, because in real time, first off, you're not entirely sure what's happened. So he's obviously got into a good position, took his time to make a decision, uh, but made the right one as his... And it's a very good penalty kick. It's struck with authority. It's struck with a, the precision with a guy who, who believes he's going to score these days, which, again, is night and day from this time 12 months ago. I think the thing about Cosgrove is, and the kind of sort of says in the media, that what he likes about Cosgrove is that he keeps getting into positions to score. I mean, so far this season from open play, he has maybe struggled to hit, find the back of the net. But what is encouraging at this stage of the season is that Cosgrove is finding positions he is getting into areas where he can test the goalkeeper and I mean if you're doing that regularly enough surely it'll come where he will just start scoring the goals as regular as he did last season I mean the fact that he's got two from three already even if they're from the penalty spot it kind of shows that he's a confident guy and that he knows where the back of the net is yeah, and I think that is the key difference from this time last year, Ben, albeit against possibly a, a poorer standard of opposition. But this time last year, he didn't look remotely like a striker. He wasn't getting in those positions. He wasn't missing the chances, really, because he wasn't getting in the position to, to be on the end of those chances. So it is night and day. Would anybody else have scored more than three goals over the last three games? Possibly, possibly. But again, I think Cosgrove is quite important to the way we play, particularly away from home. And I saw quite a lot of criticism about him, his link-up play last Thursday, which I actually thought was really good. But the problem was that the midfield weren't getting beyond him at any point or weren't getting close enough to him at any point to actually to break through on some of his uh, hold-up play. Well, so they're playing with, playing with wingers now, though, as well. And it is it's one of the things, is like, although he's tall and a big loon, he's not... I think he misreads the flight of the ball an awful lot, which is maybe that'll come with confidence or, or something. But um, again, I, I do totally with Ben. He's getting in positions to score, and I think you saw it particularly in the home leg of the game against uh, Rops. I'm going to call them. Uh, <laughs> but you saw he had a few chances to, to score, but he was hitting the target. wasn't quite placing him. But the most important thing for a striker is to hit the target first and foremost. He was there, and also to be in the position to have the chance. He's getting chances from the wide areas. Uh, the thing we're missing this season is that there's no shinny driving up behind, like chasing and urging everyone to win the second balls, and it'll be up to players like Lewis Ferguson to really step up and do that. 
but I think it's it looks more I think it looks like it's going to be a better team performance of the season it, it, it doesn't look so disjointed already between the defence and the attack there seems to be a midfield which will help but like you're saying Cosgrove is the target and there's a reason Curtis Main is signed it's both to help back up Cosgrove and also it means that McInnes can play a three at the back and a two up front and launch it and make take advantage of second balls a lot of Cosgrove's goals last season were him being the right place to finish off little scrappy things inside the box so you need someone to attack the ball someone else to follow up it helps that Cosgrove is also tall because generally those uh, box poachers are about five foot tall but that's just a little thing we've got and I, I don't know I think the squad's been built really well this season well, you say about the squad there, JJ, so um, we probably should move on. We'll talk about Stevie May. Now, look, it, it does look like at the moment, um, Ben, that his, his bags are pretty much all but packed. Uh, Dundee have apparently made him what they describe as a very good offer. Where did it all go wrong for Stevie May with Aberdeen? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, he came up, I remember his first couple of games, and he scored that brilliant goal, funnily enough, against Dundee. It was like just that sort of instinctive lash on the edge of the box. And I remember speaking to Joe Harper, and he said, oh, what I like about Stevie May is that he, he shoots on sight and he, he just tests the goalkeeper. And he never actually did that again during these two years at Aberdeen. I mean, he, he didn't look anything like the player who had left St Johnston to go down south a few years earlier. Uh, I mean, obviously he had that bad injury and, I mean, his, his knee was completely rebuilt. So, I mean, he didn't have the same legs that he did before. One thing I think... You can say about Steve Mead during his time at Aberdeen was he did give everything for the club. He, he uh, down at Ibrox last season, I think it was this was it a Scottish Cup victory. He ran himself into the ground, but he he never looked like being the type of striker that he was when he was at St Johnston. He, I mean, he was a totally different type of player. The thing about this latest saga is it, it looked like he was away back to St Johnston. He he did his medical. He passed his medical. And then a deal just collapsed somewhere. It means that Dundee are back in for him now. And, uh, I mean, you don't know where he'll go. I mean, it's very unlikely that he'll go on a loan deal. I forget pretty much for everyone here, but we'll just get a permanent deal, move on, and sort of, uh, start afresh again. It, people often talk about the, how important confidence is in strikers especially. But I think you see, you see a lot of footballers who move... Um, well I guess to England from Scotland they don't play enough and you lose momentum and when you lose that momentum they lose that confidence in what their abilities are and if they have a serious injury like Mays had you lose that little few percent that makes you special more special than other players and when when you start to feel more human rather than the I guess like you imagine remember how good he was when he was back at St Johnston the performances he was putting in then was unbelievable and it, I thought it would be a great signing for Aberdeen then course he went away and it's not really worked out for him and it may just be that once you lose that real belief in yourself you lose another few percent of what you'd put into something but yeah again like Ben said the effort he was putting in and he was being used as more of like a like a ball winning striker that's all he was really he wasn't going to score but he would help you with the press and he would set standards on the pitch by running and, and keeping going it's a shame it's not worked out for him and it'd be nice to see him go somewhere where you can find some sort of fun. 
Yeah, that moment against Dundee, and it, it was genuinely thrilling when it came to him because we hadn't really had a striker like that for a while that would just lash something in like that. You know, if it had fallen to Rooney, he would have tried to measure it for the back post or something, but Rooney would probably never got the ball that far away from the net, in fairness. Um, and it was, it, it, it was a proper guttural roar after he put that in. And he actually started okay. First couple of months, he did okay with us. He was doing fine. He wasn't sitting ahead of a light. And it was actually the injury he got with us, which seems to have really set him back. Uh, that wasn't obviously the significant one in terms of his career, but it seems to have been just the the extra weight of the, the additional worry of that just really seems to have set him right back. So, Richard, that's one thing, Richard, is like, you're, obviously we've mentioned there that he's you know, kind of lost his confidence. Is, is is it ever possible, do you think, from to get that confidence back in yourself? Well, it's a train spotting quote, isn't it? You know, once you, once you lose it, you <laughs> never get it back again. And, and, you know, I'm sure people can pull one or two examples out, but I think generally speaking, it you know, he's on a one-way trajectory, to be honest. But I can guarantee wherever he goes, he'll end up scoring against us. I mean, the thing is, if he, if he does end up going back to St Johnston, where... Um, he, he would be adored by fans he's a manager that he's been successful under before I mean Tommy Wright's taken in guys like Danny Swanson and Tony Watt and, sort of, and giving them confidence back in their career as well so I mean it wouldn't surprise me if he, if he does eventually end up back at St Johnston and ends up scoring 15-20 goals this season I mean everybody's like oh why could he do that at Aberdeen I mean it might just be that he needs to be in the environment which is beneficial to his career and I mean St Johnston might well give him that I was thinking that exact same thing the other day, actually. It's not... He's a different player, obviously, to Stephen Doby, but you see how Doby was only really good. Uh, but uh, you know what I mean? So it suits being in a certain environment because there's everything around you that helps you feel more confident because there's just something about it. You're not, you're not in any way feeling nomadic or lost. You just know where you are and what to do and you can visualise everything better. And that I, I would like to see Mr Johnson again because I feel like that might just be the one for him. Of course, it's perfectly set up for him as well. Um, if he does go to Dundee, because we've drawn them in the in the Betfred Cup, so let's hope he doesn't go there just yet. <laughs> oh, that would be a brilliant story, wouldn't it? Stephen Knox, Aberdeen, Leeds Cup, I could see. I, so be, that'll be another late deadline rewrite for you there, Ben. Well, hopefully it's on a Saturday, so I've got an entire day to write for. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, on Thursday night, we we welcome Chakura to Pataudry. Uh, for the second leg of the game. As we mentioned earlier on, Richard, we're still waiting for injury updates on... Well, we, we we know that it's going to be a while for Taylor and Devlin. Still not too sure about Greg Lee. I suppose the question is, how do we approach this one? I mean, I'm trying um, to think. The last clean sheet we kept, I think, was probably Kilmarnock away, and they had eight players. So if that's what it takes, then you know, <laughs> we're in trouble. And and this lot are, are no mugs away from Georgia. They've got a, an OK record away from home in the last couple of years. I mean... Against Bursaspor of Turkey, when they put them out, they drew 0-0 away from home. Uh, Beitar Jerusalem, last season, in the first qualifying round, 0-0 uh, at home, second leg away from home, in uh, in Israel, and they won 2-1. And even um, against Maribor in the second round, obviously a team that we've got experience of, 
They it took them until the 96th minute for the clinching goal for Maribor to get the second to put them out 2-0 on aggregate. So it's not as if they're going to pitch up here as, as total wide-eyed, not have a clue what to do. I think they'll be very organised, very difficult to break down. And I can see some nerves if we don't get that early breakthrough. But we need to be in the front foot. I don't expect us to be quite as gung-ho as we were against uh, Rovaniemi at home when it was kind of like a 4-1, 4-1 system. But... Uh, I, I would certainly like us to see see a start with an attacking intent. I'm just going to chuck in Chikura's uh, travel preparations here because I, I mean it's something which might be brought up. But obviously Aberdeen chartered the flight last week directly from Aberdeen to Tbilisi, but we, we discovered out there that Chikura are travelling from Georgia to Doha, and then Doha, I think they have a flight to Glasgow or Edinburgh or something, and then driving up. To Aberdeen, so I mean, Aberdeen's preparations for going out there were spot on professional. Whereas Shakura coming over here, I mean, their flight that that cannot be uh, good point, uh, beneficial for the players. I, I would think. Are they backpacking? Oh, yeah, so it's an incredible route. So what what is it? Flight three hours one way to flight seven hours back the other. It makes no sense. I'm guessing. I mean, the money must be, must be the reason for it. Oh really? uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You can see, like, so that you imagine they're, they're prepping, so their scout report will be, right, so they're missing Taylor, they're missing Devlin, uh, well, I don't know how well they know Aberdeen, but they'll think, well, we need to put pressure on their defenders somehow, it's probably going to be the left side of defence, because Constein's probably going to start as a centre-back, which means whoever's at left-back is going to be makeshift, so they want to focus most of their good play on the right wing, so they'll put that number 10 into the right channel, trying to attack that, which means McKenna's probably has to double up someone on the left side, so whoever's playing left midfield or left wing, is going to have to double up with that left back to make sure they're not they're not done. But Aberdeen will have most possession, and uh, I, the most important thing is to stay patient with that because they are going to be set up to hit on the counter. I have there's no way they're going to look to try and dominate the game. They're going to wait for that one chance, and they got chances at home, but this weren't good enough. So if Aberdeen can just stay patient, just keep playing it, you'll probably see what happens is that. Um, they'll be very, it'll be very slow. People will start mourning about it after a while, and then the players will start shelling it to Cosgrove. But that's not bad because it gets the ball up the pitch, and then when it's further away from goal, we're safer. The problem is that if there's no one in position to win those second balls with it, that's exactly what they want for the counter attack. So if Aberdeen just be really patient, keep the ball on the ground. So it's not a case of defending to try and see out the game, but just by keeping the ball, that is the best way to get through it. <laughs> yeah, which is all well and good if you if we could rely on our defence, JJ. <laughs> but um, if the ball's in midfield, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and the, the defensive line will be high. It won't. It won't be. I mean, it'll be an offside trap. It'll be. You know, it won't be forty-five meters from goal. It'll be like thirty-five meters or something like that, and it'll be okay. And it, but the mid. It's, McInnes' teams are never very really compact vertically. They're they're quite in defence. They're quite narrow, but when they go forward, you know, he, he doesn't want to take too many risks. And if they're going to focus going wide, you want to make sure you're shifting to one side and make sure you're not going to get hit on the other. But it, just keeping the ball, slowing it down, will make them panic and make them try to rush things. And then you can pick it off for the wide players coming forward to get spaces in behind. I started all this sense of doom about Thursday, but I think it will be a lot tougher than some people realise. Yeah. Uh, we won't be saying that when Aberdeen are 3-0 up and at half-time on Thursday and all this talk of counter <laughs> Far, far simpler than... Speedy scored eight goals. 
Well, it's funny. I mean, oh, you bring up you bring up the travel plans. I'm all the to remember it was Zalgiris Vilnius in '96 who took a bus all the way from Latvia to Aberdeen, spent 56 <laughs> hours on the bus, and people were mocking him. We'd won the away like four-one. People were mocking them and thinking, oh, we're going to put half a dozen past them. They came to Pitodri and they won 3-1 and we nearly went out. So, again, hearing things like that just makes me even more weary. But that's just an actual pessimist in me, I think. Well, of course, we'll see what happens on Thursday then. Um, there is obviously going to, be an, going to be an unofficial kind of singing section. So they're trying to get a bit of atmosphere going at the game, Richard, as well. Um, the away sections, Q&R are going to be there for not kind of flags and noise and stuff like that. So it's decent so that we're try, they're trying to kind of create a bit of atmosphere here um, for the game, you know. Um, I doubt, I don't, it doesn't look like there's going to be a massive, massive crowd um, around the stadium. So this is this is something decent. At least they're trying, trying something a bit new. Well, I think there's going to be the same as the first round, about 14-15, which is a pretty good effort, let's be clear, against a team which who, who nobody have ever heard of. Uh, it's always difficult to try and get out of when there's no away fans. So, yeah, if you want to go along, uh, I mean, I hope wherever you're sitting, you, you make a bit of noise and uh, try and keep the moaning for at least the second half. But, yeah, if you specifically want to create a bit of din, get along to the regular away section in the south stand. I take it you've heard the, uh, the Funso Ojo song as well. Is that, well, I, 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 there's the one that's to the tune of No Limit. I've not heard any other ones, is there? What's the No Limit one? Well, I'm not going to sing to Unlimited's No Limit to you. Does it go Funso, Funso, oh, Funso, Ojo? Oh, is that the one? No. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> of all the things I've done on this podcast, singing is not going to be one of them, JJ. I assure you of that. I, I have found a much better song for Funso, Ojo, and it, um, that's what we should be doing. No Limit. That's been done before. No, no, no. I must say, credit to the folk who did go out to the first leg out to Boise, because I know how difficult my own getting travel plans for myself was, so I mean, oh, fair play to them for going out there. Bob, you kind of took a fortnight's holiday out there, didn't you? Well, I, I, I would use the term holiday loosely, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I was working for a week. Journalism never stops. Ah, the, the hustle never stops. <laughs> So then once we'll have the European game out of the way, we have, finally, we're back to league business on Sunday with a visit of Craig Levine's Hearts. Now, JJ, oh, this should be fairly straightforward, shouldn't it? They just scraped out of their group with a with a penalty shooter win over East Fife. There's huge rumbles of dissension from the support over the manager. This will be this will be fairly straightforward, won't it? Ah, but will it, though? <laughs> I mean, they're always such boring games, aren't they, against Levine Ball? But, I mean, oh, I, I can't... I can't tell. I know, like, the signings they had. I mean, Naismith's not ready yet, I think. And, and Connor Washington, and the new signing, looks quite tidy, but he's injured as well. I don't know. I've not seen enough of them in pre season to know what they're looking like. I just know for certain it's going to be in an, eight, <laughs> an 8 2 0 formation or something like that. And I don't know. I think it's really important to, to remember that McInnes is trying to develop the team a little bit this season, and so we'll be playing in a different way, and it is more entertaining already, I think. The important bit will how they link the midfield. It'd be a good game for someone like Campbell, maybe, to be in there, just to link that defence with the other parts of the midfield and attack. I think but, it's a really good test for us, actually, Hearts. Uh, yeah. Albeit, yeah, they've not really shone in their League Cup stages. About the only Premier League team that have shone, I think, are Motherwell, to be honest. And I, I want to correct you, they scraped out their group stage with a penalty shootout defeat to East Fife. I just want to make sure that that's... Apologies. Uh, Apologies. That's <laughs> uh, but yeah, of course he's going to be come here and play for a nil-nil. I dare say if we went to Tynecastle on the opening day, depressing as it is, we'd probably 
happily take a point, like Craig Levine will happily take a point on Sunday. But the thing is about Craig Levine, he doesn't just take a point, he wants to suck all the life out of the game, always. Uh, so it's, on the face of it, not a very attractive proposition, but hopefully we're still on a high from Thursday night, having got through, and we can take that into Sunday, because it would be a really important marker, a good three points to put out against a side who are almost certainly going to be in that top six along with us. Well, I was going to, that's what I'm going to say, Ben. I mean, you look at the you look at the start and run we have. You know, our our, start, our our fixtures for the start of the season. You no, know, Hearts isn't you no know, isn't a terrible first game. I would I, I would don't want to say that the run is kind, but you know, you've got St Mirren. You know, we will obviously play Dundee in the League Cup, Kilmarnock, Ross County. It's it's not the hardest run we've ever had, is it? Well, I'm glad you took so long to ask because I just had to get the fixtures back up in front of me to refresh my memory. <laughs> um, oh, of no, I mean. A home fixture on the opening day of the season, you can't ask for much more. St Mirren have gone through so a bit of upheaval over the summer as well. Then you've got the League Cup. Kilmarnock, we don't really know what Kilmarnock team we're going to get this year. If it's a Kilmarnock team that were decent or if it'll be the Kilmarnock we've been used to over the last 20 years or so. And then you've got Ross County home. It is a generous opening few games, but I mean, it's just about building momentum. And getting through I mean you could be looking at 12 points out of 12 of those first four games realistically but I mean ultimately you just need to take hearts at first uh, home first and get through that get the win and, and get on with it yeah it's got, it's got to be game by game I mean that's exactly what they'll do anyway ah. but you get to the point like if you let, say you end up beating Livingston away then suddenly you've got Rangers and Hibs Motherwell away Celtic oh, it could be a really difficult four games in a row so to build the momentum by them would be great at least after Celtic it's Hamilton Away, who should be all sorts of a mess this season. Oh, shit, I've gone right the way through it and we've won the league. Oh my god. Oh, and we're in the final of Europa League. This is a good season. I can't believe this. This is what's exciting about exciting about looking forward to looking at up two games in a week. Hopefully, we get through the game on Thursday night, and then European business will keep us busy as well as the league business. Um, so that's uh, that brings us to the end of our show for this week. Just um, leaves me to thank Richard Hay as always. Thank you, Richard. Thank you very much, Martin. Ben Palmer, it's always a pleasure having you on. Oh, thanks for having me on. Brilliant as always. No problem. And JJ, I'm looking forward to you recording that Fun Zoos Joe song and posting it on Twitter so we can all hear it. I've done it. I've done You've it already. Done it. I'll yeah. do it. Okay, well, we'll, we'll fight. We'll, I'll we'll, send we'll, you we'll, now. <laughs> you mean you're not following JJ on Twitter, man? I am following. I've obviously missed it in the in the in the you know, the, the summer the summer lull. But I'll, we're Twitter I'll, friends, Richard. It's all right. We are. We're proper Twitter fr- friends. <laughs> Uh, thanks guys I love going on the show it's great no problem thank you very much so that's our show for this week thanks very much here's to getting through the next round of the Europa League come on you Reds